The Start On Demand. On demand. Manitoba has made minor tweaks to the public health order, and some of the things they suggested they might change, they didn't change. So, naturally, there are a lot of people who are unhappy. Meanwhile, shocking numbers as it pertains to the flu in a good way. Almost no cases across Canada this season. We had our monthly visit with Mayor Brian Bowman. The Shamrock Drive-In in Killarney is set to reopen this summer. And stay home or staycation. Spring break is typically a busy time for hotels. We'll find out what's happening this year. And we'll have some fun by talking about your memories of staying at hotels. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, March 24th podcast for The Start. Before we talk restrictions, I just wanted to put this on your radar in case you didn't hear this yesterday. I was looking through our text messages and I saw that there was apparently some controversy on the news yesterday with Rich and Julie Hmm. on the subject of... How to read the temperature. Did you catch any of this, Greg? I, I saw that. Yeah, I've seen it out the side of my eye here a couple of times here with regards to plus one and whether you say the plus or not. Yeah. Let me just play 20 seconds of this. All it's right. plus one at 680 CJOB. Have we gone through that where we say plus? I think we have. <laughs> I, I can't stand it when we say plus six. Six. It's plus one. It's not plus six. <laughs> No, I know that, but he, but isn't plus one one? So they went on for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> they had a journalism conference yeah. on the air is basically what happened. I said that last week when I was filling in for Jeff, I kept saying the plus because this time of year when it's hovering around zero sure. so often, I think it's really important. Like it, obviously you say minus whenever it's cold and then I guess by default you don't say the plus, right? So if, it's, if, if you're not saying anything then you assume it's plus but i don't know i like to i like to hammer that in plus two at 680 cjob i don't think it's unreasonable when you're dancing around the zero yeah to throw in the plus especially I mean, if there are negative temperatures in the forecast and here we go now down this rabbit hole if it's hole. june if it's june yeah don't say if it's plus it's 27, plus 27 yeah. <laughs> you know what i'm gonna start doing that now so if you god wanna... it's just a great plus 30 day hey what do you think? So if you want to hear that, go to the audio vault, cjob.com. It was around 520. It was in that ballpark, 520, 523, I think. Uh, it was a really funny exchange. So, yeah, good times with Rich and Julie on the news, which is on weekdays, 3 to 6 on CJOB. We like to bug them a little bit, don't we? There's a little bit of a rivalry between our shows. I I, I think so. I'd like to think so. Yeah, so do I. Friendly rivalries. We talked about Regina last half hour. There's a friendly rivalry. And as we look at what happened within our own borders, the province has announced some new public health orders. But your day-to-day life, Loren, not going to change all that much. No, there were really just minor tweaks announced yesterday to those orders. Uh, Here are the main points. Gathering limits at outdoor public places will increase from 10 to 25 people. Weddings and funerals can now have up to 25 people. Retail stores will see their capacity limits remain at 50%, but the limit will expand to 500 people or whichever is lower. And then your personal residence, whether indoor or outdoor, gathering rules remain the same. And so the, the that's pretty much it for most of us. That's what we were looking at, Greg, and, and that doesn't change from three weeks ago to now. Yeah, the, the retail one uh, is uh, has me scratching my head. But anyway, there's lots of things that have me scratching my head. Uh, this handful of changes comes just days after the province said it was considering a much broader loosening of restriction. And as Global's Joe Scarpelli reports, it's not sitting well with those who are left out. Like a highly anticipated movie, the CEO of Landmark Cinemas tuned into Manitoba's COVID-19 update with high expectations, but... I understand, I'm not going to make everybody happy. Bill Walker is one of those people the Premier didn't make happy. We understand governments being cautious. What, What makes this frustrating is that we feel that our industry is kind of miscategorized. Last week, the province floated the idea of allowing large indoor venues, including movie theaters, to reopen. But an idea is all it turned out to be. 
Walker doesn't understand why, because he says movie theaters have the unique ability to have everyone sitting quietly, far apart from one another, for pretty much their entire visit. Costco can't tell the customers when to arrive. Theaters actually can't. We say, hey, the most popular movie's at 7.10. So what we're going to do is we're going to not put any movies in before 7.10. We're going to leave a bunch of time after 7.10. At the same time the province was considering turning on the big screens, the decision makers were also thinking of lifting some restrictions on indoor dining, specifically allowing guests to eat with people outside their household. The owner of the Toad says that would have helped business in a big way. That would have literally increased our revenue, I don't know how many percentages. In Osborne Village, where we're located, most people have, uh, are, live alone. So literally 90% of the tables that come in are singles. For now, Manitoba's top doctor is asking for patience. We are going to be uh, continuing to move uh, forward, uh, but right now we still have to wait on those vaccines. Joel Scarpelli, Global News. So Greg, these will be in effect now for uh, another three weeks, and then uh, the reassessment process will resume. You know, it's... it's... <sighs> We had Bill Walker on the show, I guess, in the last couple of weeks, right, Brett? Uh, was it while was it yeah, while you no, were no, away, Loren? No, I remember bringing him on, and he was frustrated then. Sure. Alone now, and and the more I think about it, and the more I hear from him, I agree with them a hundred percent. And I know there in the survey that there were a lot of folks that felt movie theaters maybe it was a little bit too soon for them to open. But I, I don't know. I, every time I hear him speak, it, it makes sense to me. And and when you combine that, Loren, I go to Home Depot quite a bit. I like the fact that I, when I walk in that door, there's someone counting how many people are in that store. And now that they're expanding it to 500 people, I don't know if they're even going to have to do that anymore. No, and I see why that has you scratching your head. And on the movie front, and I know, Brett, you've been waiting for them to reopen. I went to church on Sunday, and I'm not trying to bring – don't don't come at me with the, coming the, your religion thoughts here on churches being open. What I'm trying to say is I sat in a pew, wiped it down, wiped it down after I left, but I sat there for an hour much the same way I would if I went to a movie, spaced out – Every other pew from other families, you're still only sitting with your own family. You're not sitting with anybody else. I'm not sure I see the difference between that and a movie theater. Right now, we want to talk about hotels because in our next half hour at 7.07, we're going to speak with the Manitoba Hotel Association about spring break, which is usually a pretty big busy time of year for them but what's happening this year on the staycation front so we'll look forward to that conversation at 707 but right now we want to talk about fun times that you've had in a hotel we want you to text us a story at 204-780-6868 share a fond memory of staying at a hotel for your chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia pizza let's go around the horn here we got Cam Poitras, Jeff Braun, Jeff Fortier, Poitras kick it off uh, wow, you know, my best times, I guess I'm going to consider when I was doing some hostel jumping in Europe, it was, I, I met so many cool people, I had so much fun, uh, you know, it's, sometimes hostels uh, bring out the best in people, and sometimes they bring out the worst, and I'm, uh, I, I definitely dealt with some people that were just unbelievably horrible, but uh, I also have to point the finger at myself a little bit. I was in Krakow, Poland, and I went down into this old medieval bar, and the bar, I think, was over 500 years old. It was so cool. And the guy, in, the guy at the bar was this old Polish guy. And he started, and I, and I said, listen, says I'm in Poland. That means I got to drink vodka, right? And the guy said, okay. So he starts pulling out all this old homebrew, like just all this stuff. And well, you can imagine what uh, two hours into drinking homebrew in Poland does to you. So I went to the, uh, so I, I went up to my hostel and it, it was, uh, it was, I was bad. And so anyways, I had to crawl up onto the second, cause I was onto the top bunk. So I start trying to get up the ladder. I go a couple things and I am just struggling. And then all of a sudden my hands release somehow and I fall back and just bang. I smash up against the other hostel right behind me in the bunk bed and I don't remember anything after that. I, I then wake up in, in another hostel bed that wasn't the one that I paid for, and the room was completely empty. So I can imagine how I was sleeping that night, probably snoring and all kinds of stuff. So if you were in early 2018 in a hostel in Poland, in da Old Town, I profusely apologize 
Uh, I'm, I'm ashamed. I had to leave the hostel. I went to, I paid for multiple nights. I went to another one across town. I couldn't face anybody in that place. That's how humiliated I was. So, <laughs> Well, that was a tremendous segment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just shut that down right now. boy, Poitras. Well done, sir. Uh, Forte, you want to follow that? I can't compete with that. Like, I, I don't I, even know. Like, that's so hard to follow. <laughs> I guess, like, when I was 18, 19 playing in bar bands, you know, you'd go play out in small towns and you have to stay like in the hotel that's attached to the vendor type of thing. And you know, some of those rooms aren't very nice. Like I slept on top of the bedding for most of the times I would sleep in places like that. And I remember was it in Nipah after our show went out to this party and just, you know, like Cam had a little too much and trying to get, cause there was keys. Like, you know, it wasn't key cards and actually having to use the keys. I remember I couldn't get the key into the hole, couldn't get into my, my room, and it took me <laughs> it took me about 20 minutes just to do it. Oh. <laughs> Are these fond memories, guys? Like, yes. The question was share fond well, memories. I, I had to go against that. If you can't, if you can't remember what happened, how going to be it was. I look back on it fondly. At the time, I was humiliated, <laughs> but now I'm like, that was great. Fair uh, enough. Jeff Ron. Yeah, no, I misread your email, Brett. I thought it said funny memory, so I've got a similar story to these other guys. It was a friend's <laughs> wedding about 13 years ago at a hotel in St. Vitale. I can't even remember which hotel it was. And the wedding was great, and the reception was great. And at about 2 in the morning uh, in the reception hall, they kicked us out. They're like, you guys, get out of here. It's over. The party's over. And we had drank the bar dry, and I went back to my room, and I started getting undressed. And then I thought I heard a noise in the hallway, so I opened the door and I walked out into the hallway. Well, I had pants on, but no shirt. I was just bareback and the door closed behind <laughs> me and I didn't have my key. So I couldn't get back in. And I was just like, what am I going to do? I was like, it's 2.30 in the morning and I'm bareback in the hotel. And I guess it'll be s- I'm going to have to go to the front desk and ask for a spare key. And just as I was gathering up the courage to do that, I hear a voice behind me. JB! What the hell are you doing? <laughs> and it, it was uh, it was my friend Tom, and we had, were actually splitting that room, so he had a key, and he let me in. And I was trying to explain it to him, and he was just shaking his head. Classic JB. Classic <laughs> JB. <laughs> That's great stuff, man. Uh, Loren. All the hotels. I love going to hotels, and I have lots of stories where I've been kicked out, or you know, not kicked out of the hotel per se. Well, no, yeah, once. But I, I just love a hotel. Like I'll go the, I'll go any time of the day or any time of the year. I'll do it in Brandon. I'll go to one in Winnipeg. I don't care where they are. And I always go to the store first, and I get like crackers and a meat platter and hummus and Ooh. chips and a bottle of wine. And my husband's like, "You're just you're having the time of your life right now, aren't you?" I'm like, "Yes." He's like, "It's a travel lodge." I'm like, "I don't care. I'm in a room. Someone's gonna come clean it in the morning. Yep. I'm gonna leave crumbs all over this place. The sheets are in theory <laughs> clean. There might be a hot tub. What's not to love so like i've i've had some great stays in all sorts of different places but i'm going to be sincere when i say pretty much any hotel for me is where it's at well you know what? you're reminding me of being a kid and i guess yes. when, when you're a parent and you have kids taking them to a hotel instead of like i had a birthday party at a hotel where you know what for parents bring your kids there there's a pool they can have fun you can make a mess and you don't have to clean it up that's a great point, Forte. I had great times as a, in, in the pool of hotels uh, when I was a kid. Macklin, we got about 45 seconds. What do you got? Uh, I, I had a whole different story to tell, and then this has sort of gone off the rails. I don't know. I, I'm out. I, I got nothing uh, on this front other than I echo Loren's sentiments. The whole notion of staying in a hotel. I was used to say when I traveled for work, I hated being away, but I loved traveling mm-hmm. and one of the best things about it was going to work in the morning and you'd go in freshly pressed clothing and everything was dry cleaned and then you would go and you would do your thing you come home and the bed was made and everything was just so yeah. clean and yeah that that is that towels is. are hung up i don't know oh, it is tough to beat so, and if you're a kid, you get to jump bed to bed. What about that? Oh, Sorry, I just yeah. thought of that. Which <laughs> bed am I going to sleep in tonight? Should yeah. I sleep in that one or should jump, I sleep jump, in that jump, one? Jump. Maybe well, I'm going to pull out the couch. I'm going to sleep in the hide of bed tonight. 204-780-6868. Share a fun memory of staying at a hotel. Uh, it could be a fond one. could be, as Cam and Jeff Braun pointed out, and Forte, funny memories. Tell us a story at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia P. Pizza, which we will give away just after 9.15. 
Before we continue the chat about hotels and staycations for spring break, Loren, solid text to 204-780-6868 from Shauna. Yeah, she says, I think the biggest issue I have with the announcement yesterday and previous ones, and this is, of course, is about the changes to public health orders. She says they give you a bit of hope and then they snatch it away. It's cruel and unnecessary. We are all COVID tired and dangling freedoms in front of your face and then taking it away is nothing more than torture. And I pointed out that I think that I hear her, but I think that they do that too because they need to give businesses a heads up as to what could be coming down the pipe and give them a couple days to prepare And Shauna went on to say, yeah, but then, you know, say, for example, for things like hockey, they were talking about games. Then, nope, our spring break was going to consist of a camp with a tournament. It's now canceled. Last time, the mask at gyms was going to be taken out and then not. And she says, I can't go to the gym with a mask anymore. I almost passed out. So you get excited to be able to go. And then they say, haha, just kidding. Shauna says she's on her last rope. And so that might be how some people are feeling when they suggest what might be coming and then don't go through with it. Let us know what you think about that. 204-780-6868. You can also email Mackling at CJOB.com, McNabb at CJOB.com, or Brett at CJOB.com. Spring break typically sees thousands of Canadians hitting the road with packed suitcases and vans, but for the second year in a row, many are seriously downgrading their plans for spring break, which starts as soon as the bell rings, Greg, Friday afternoon. Yeah, and that's obviously a big hit to many businesses who rely on your restaurant dollars, shopping dollars, hotel dollars. Scott Jocelyn is the president and CEO of the Manitoba Hotel Association. Scott, I feel bad bringing you on here and having to take a deep sigh every time I ask you a question, but uh, I think that's how we're starting this morning. How are you today? Okay, I appreciate. actually appreciate you having me on. I'm sorry that you have to feel that way when you're going to talk to me. But no, yeah, that's, it, that's where it's, we're at. It, you know what, and it's just out of genuine concern and, and feeling for you in this industry. What are you hearing? What's the vacancy rate like right now as you approach this now second spring break w- without the ability for people to go and do uh, whatever they'd like? Yeah, you know, I think it's uh, it's still really, you know, it's really challenging. I guess it's really challenging. I like the term COVID tired. I don't like it, but I, I think that's kind of where I'm at as well with our, our operators. I think the reality is, you know, we're now a year into this. Um, you know, it's it's been quite a battle. Um, you know, perhaps there's a light at the end of the tunnel, but, uh, you know, that tunnel still has some distance that we have to cover. And, yeah, so it's incredibly challenging. We talked to you a few months ago, and one of the things that you were hearing from from would-be customers was the idea that they might come even for a staycation, but pools weren't open. Pools technically now are allowed to be open. Is that making any difference in people even booking a kind of a stay-at-home fun time with the family? Yeah, you know, I think it's, uh, um, I think that'll be helpful for our people with pools. I think, it, you know, I, when I knew you guys were going to have me on, one of the messages I wanted to, I guess, to leave you with is, you know, be kind to our staff, managing the the public health protocols. Like we didn't create those, uh, so the pools will be open, but they're open with limit, limited capacities, which I know makes it challenging. People want to stay in the hotels and they want to use the pools. And I know some of the hotels are being creative by booking times for people. We want to make it safe, right? We've we've been closed. That doesn't. It's uh, not where we want to go back to. We want to be open. We've got uh, we've got some facilities that we want to have open. We have some services we want to put in front of people. And but we need people to. Uh, you know, walk along slowly with us as we try and get our facilities open and, and follow the rules. As I said, we didn't make them. Uh, we're just trying to enforce them. They come at a cost to us. We have to make sure that people are safe, uh, you know, and we want to make sure that we can, uh, you know, continue to slowly open for them. And with the, the pools being open, is there anything extra that you're now having or what extra things are you now having to do to operate them safely? Well, I know that like, so, you know, I've heard of some hotels that are, you know, they're, they're shutting them down every hour and, you know, doing a kind of a shift change there where, you know, new get, you know, old guests out, new guests in. And, you know, there's some cleaning that goes into that. And, and then the monitoring of it all, Brad, I mean, making sure that people are following the rules. The onus is on us to make sure the rules are being followed. Nobody wants to break the rules. There's a lot of rules. And, uh, um, so, you know, we're having staff, uh, you know, more staff probably in place to make sure that you, you don't have too many people in that area or that you're checking people in or you're getting it cleaned after they've, after they've left the pool area. Scott, you mentioned COVID tired, but on the other side, the flip side of this coin is what's happening in Saskatchewan right now, where they're having to claw back some of the things that they'd already opened. Uh, some people calling it a false start and a travel restriction 
into Regina. So uh, when you look at that, uh, how does that change your point of view on what we're doing here? Does it does it uh, have you look over there and go, yeah, maybe we're going about this the right way? You know, it, it does. I, I think every time I've been on in any media through this, I applaud the government. It's not an easy where you're delicate, you know, they're delicately balancing the safety, the economy. We love to be open. We, again, we know what not being open feels like, what it looks like, not not good. So, you know, I know for me, I'm tasked with trying to encourage the government to allow us to open, you know, uh, uh, decrease capacities. But again, I, I want to do it safely. I look to the left, I look to the right, I see that and I'm going, you know what? that's not where we want to go back to. So, you know, slow opening. Hey, everybody, get the vaccine when your time comes up. We want to be, we want to be open. We need to be open. We've got bills to pay. And, uh, you know, we need everyone to, to play a part in it. And uh, so, yeah, I guess I'd leave you with that. Scott Jocelyn, President and CEO of the Manitoba Hotel Association, joining us live on CJOB. Scott, thanks for the visit as always, sir. Hey, thanks very much for having me on. I appreciate you guys giving me the opportunity. Hope everybody's well. Thank you. We are asking you to share a fun memory, a fun memory from staying at a hotel, whether it's a fond memory or perhaps a, a funny memory or just an outright outrageous one like Cam Poitras shared at uh, 6, uh, it would have been about 6.50 this morning. You can hear that in the audio vault at cjob.com. Now, Greg, you said you were going to tell a story and then you felt like the segment kind of went a different direction and you sort of pulled the plug. But I want to know what that story was. Oh, well, you know what? Um, Jackie and I have been away together. We never had a honeymoon. We've been married for 15 years. Last year, we were going to go away to celebrate our 15th anniversary, but obviously a certain uh, virus got in the way of that. So we have been away once together since we've been married, just the two of us. And even that was truncated somewhat. We went to visit Jackie's sister who lives in Kansas City. Well, she lived in Lawrence, Kansas. Uh, We went to Kansas City Chiefs football game. We had an absolute blast. And I'd traveled a ton for work when I worked at New Flyer and was collecting all these Marriott points and finally had enough points for one free night stay in an autograph collection hotel. It's their older hotels in, in the Marriott. And so I used the points up and we stayed at the Raphael in the plaza area of Kansas City. And we had a fantastic time at the football game. We uh, consumed a, a, a few beverages and and had a great time. And then we went out for dinner and had a couple of uh, bottles of wine. I think our bill for the hotel was about $12 U.S. by the time all was said and done. And they upgraded us from a room to a suite. It was absolutely incredible. They had a martini bar in the basement. So the next day, we're feeling really good about the time that we had, and we're taking the rental car back. And, of course, you got to stop for gas. And we're pulling in the gas station. I said to Jackie, did you pay for dinner last night? She said, I didn't pay for dinner. Oh, Did no. you pay for dinner? You died I said, I said, no, I didn't pay for dinner. So I go inside and pay for the gas and on my way out, Jackie's waving the receipt in the air. <laughs> she found the receipt oh. from the dinner before, but for about <laughs> 20 minutes or less, we thought we'd done, yes, Loren, the ultimate dine and dash. I looked Man, up that hotel. It looks swanky. Too, Brett. <laughs> I did too. It's, it's I was like, beautiful, this looks all right. It's like Kansas City's uh, Hotel Fort Gary. Yeah, very nice hotel, the Raphael in Kansas City. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Sorry, I'm just trying to. <laughs> I was trying to finish a mouthful of peanuts. Eating, I M&M peanuts? <laughs> I bought a bag of peanuts out of the vending machine, and it took like three minutes just to break into this bag <laughs> for like Larry David and Curb Your Enthusiasm. You know that scene where he's tr- where he needs a pair of scissors to yes. get into the package that contains the scissors? Yeah. And he's just like, it's like Fort Knox. He's trying to get into this thing, and I'm so frustrated I because the little slot in this bag where it, it tells you to rip it. Yep. It, it ripped off the tiniest corner of this bag. It didn't open it at all. So then I had to open it a little bit further, but it still didn't open it wide enough to actually pour peanuts out of this thing. So I had to, like, use my teeth, and then I'm finally ripping at it. And, of course, the peanuts go everywhere. I got salt all over my sweater. So when I finally 
cleaned it all up. I was trying to eat them as quickly as I could. I thought I had enough time to finish that final bite. And uh, anyway. We should, like, by the end of this week, we'll have a full montage of noises that we've created in our environments where I spilled the water yesterday. You've got a peanut debacle tomorrow. We just need some sort of spaghetti sauce incident for Greg, and we're set. Actually, I was planning to make spaghetti tonight. Do so it. I'm ready able to arrange that. Yeah. And, and this time tomorrow, all of a sudden you'll just hear, ah! And it'll be just... Dane City all over the front of your shirt, Greg. That that huh? sounded kind of like what was his name? Was it Howard Dean? Yeah, <laughs> uh, was yeah the uh, Democratic uh, candidate that basically he was the front runner. Was that way back in like ninety eight or something? Two thousand four. <laughs> and he started screaming all the state names, and that was the end of his candidacy for president. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was one of the first. So you just called me shrill. That's what I just. No. There. Hey, come on now. <laughs> just, I'm gonna take this real south on us in a hurry. Well, thanks a lot, Greg. I will be calling your wife shortly. To it's okay. Say. As long as you are understanding my coded language, <laughs> things are exactly the way they're supposed to be. Shrill. We normally do, by the way, in this time slot, our weekly Wednesday Jets chat. Uh, we're having a hard time connecting with uh, Jamie Thomas this morning. Should also point out in our next segment, Mayor Brian Bowman, our monthly visit. He always calls right on time. And uh, then at 8.37, Hal Anderson. It's our weekly visit with Hal coming up at 8.37. But then at 8.45, and we, uh, we're going to share a story with you from Global News that uh, the flu season has been remarkably, like I was stunned when they revealed the details in this uh, as to the number of lab-detected cases in this country during flu season. Normally it's in the thousands, like 38,000, and this year, 64. 64 cases of flu during the flu season. Uh, Yeah, basically non-existent, and it was something that was somewhat predicted. We'd seen it in the Southern Hemisphere, that uh, flu season never got off the ground. And so we speculated, we wondered, we asked, would we see the same in North America? Would we see the same in Europe? And certainly we've, now we have the proof in Canada, 64 cases. Yeah, that's essentially zero, scientifically mm-hmm. zero compared to what we normally have. So yeah. it has a lot of people asking the question, Loren, what does this mean, you know, post-COVID with regard to how we conduct ourselves uh, during a, a usual or regular flu season? Or just period. I mean, all sorts of different illnesses just are are not just, you know, with you have the droplets or the airborne, but just the touch, right? And, and if you didn't wash your hands properly, you're passing something on with that handshake or getting too close with friends. And so I am curious. Like, I don't like the masks wear them I happily wear them to do my part I that's not an issue well I don't like them but should they stick around is that helping out that the no handshake we talked a year ago would the, the handshake die forever maybe that makes sense maybe there's just better ways to greet one another so that we're not exchanging whatever might be left in our hands that we failed to wash off properly the distancing like again all these things are hard but I do I really wonder how, they've obviously helped with with just the, not just with the flu, but all sorts of other things. I'm, I'd be curious to know about strep throat and bronchitis, and you know, are there other things that are down as a result of the fact that we're not so close to one another? Man, I miss that hearty handshake, Brett. Oh, I know. When, like I you know, you. when there's a job well done, and you just want to convey, oh man, I missed you, or or that was a that was just. Wasn't that fantastic the way we went about that or the or the celebratory hug? Uh, I don't know. I was watching the mix curling and they took took a picture of there were two teams that played faced off against one another and they were both father daughter teams that were playing and I know they didn't mean to do it because it's against the protocol but after the picture the two dads shook hands and it was like, oh, they're going to regret having that caught on camera. But it was the their honest reaction was like, yeah, wasn't that super special? And that's how they conveyed that. And yes, it's against what we're supposed to be doing right now. But I got to admit, Brett, I miss that. 
I miss it too. I miss the handshake. I hope it comes back. Even if it has to be where we all carry around little bottles of hand sanitizer and we can we both put on the hand sanitizer before and then do the handshake, I'd be fine with that. Ask for consent before. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's uh, it's not something that should be expected anymore, but it should be, hey, you okay with a handshake? Yes, absolutely. I just sanitized my hands. So he, here we go. So let us know what you think. 204-780-6868, Loren. I'm curious if people would be you know, you'll just have to get rid of the idea of being insulted as soon as I shake your hand and then I quickly <laughs> grab, reach for my wipes. Like that, the, you no longer should be offended if that's the way that goes because maybe that's just the way to do it. Howie Mandel is celebrating the fact <laughs> right. that that's I, the way it's going down. Exactly. <laughs> also, bump Mandel. I got to pick a fight with Saskatchewan here, Greg. I know do that's it. usually you doing this. Yes, okay. Text message from somebody regarding my peanut situation and this person says ever hear of scissors okay couple of things listen here saskatchewan yes i've heard of scissors i referenced scissors in the larry david curb your enthusiasm thing so of course i refer i have heard of scissors and if i had scissors in the studio don't you think i would have used them i wouldn't have spent three minutes trying to break into this bag of peanuts if i had a pair of scissors beside me i don't have scissors in the studio so there I don't even know if we have scissors in the newsroom. I think someone has them under lock and key somewhere. I have and I don't two mean pairs that- in my studio. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what are you all? You're the scissor hoarder. Well, one of them says engineer. So uh, engineering, rather. So, yeah, there's that. All Stolen right. Stolen scissors. Stolen scissors. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, it is time for our monthly visit with Mayor Brian Bowman. <laughs> Mr. Mayor, good morning to you, sir. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? We're doing very well, and we just wanted to, to open by uh, by pointing out a, the, the, usually what happens for the monthly visit is I'll go on to your Instagram and see if there's a picture that I can snag for our Instagram story. And on your Instagram is where I learned that you and your family had to say goodbye to your, to your dog, Indiana, this week. So we just wanted to uh, first offer some condolences on that. Oh, thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah, I know for, for pet owners, you'll know it's, it's not an easy thing to lose someone that's been with you for 15 years. And uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a rough week, but I appreciate that people have been really kind and, and a lot of outreach from friends and family. So I, I really do appreciate that. I'll pass it on to Tracy and our boys. They'll, they'll appreciate it. Yeah, you had some great pictures there, uh, Mr. and, and <laughs> yeah. I think that's so great that the boys had that time with him. And, and, and in some ways, it doesn't, it's not easy to hear this, but, but you're lucky to have that time uh, because I, we just yeah. got a pet in, in this house, and I can't believe how much I love him already in three months, so I can't imagine 15 uh, years. Great. Well, he was, he was, as I mentioned online, he was really the inspiration behind the downtown dog park, and I, I, would, I would regularly uh, just have him with me at as many announcements and, and community events as possible just so that we could spend the time together. And uh, yeah, we're, we're already missing him. And I know others, uh, others in our community, you know, when you lose a pet, it, it's really not easy, but uh, you know, we've got, you're right. We've got many years of, of joy and uh, snuggles with him. And yeah, we're, we'll, we'll definitely, we'll get through it. Well, that but dog park, well, well, thanks for taking the time to explain that, too, because that dog park was one of your first initiatives in your first term as mayor. And now in your second term yeah. this week, we have this anti-racism week that, that you've launched. And you talked about the idea that we as Winnipeggers, Manitobans, need to be active participants when it comes to fighting racism. Yeah. One of the conversations we had this week is about how you measure that. How do you measure the outcomes of improving racism? So beyond talk, what does progress mm-hmm. actually look like to you in a, in a quantifiable way? It's a great question because um, it is a it is a difficult uh, it's a difficult thing to combat and you know we've been working on this uh, whether it's re- our reconciliation work or now we're we're rolling out mandatory anti-oppression and cultural competency training for all of our roughly ten thousand staff. I, I took the training with my council colleagues uh, earlier this week. You know, at, at the city, what I can say to answer that question, um, one of the ways in which we can measure how inclusive and equitable um, the city of Winnipeg as a municipal government is, is by looking at our workforce. And right now, our workforce doesn't adequately reflect the community that we serve. And so one of the ways that, that we're working on, on combating that in a very real way is looking at uh, our workforce. And so I, I was very pleased yesterday at our new Human Rights Committee of Council received unanimous support for um, a motion that I brought forward and supported by Councillor Chambers and, and others on the, the committee to uh, to have the, the public service 
look at um, building a, an equity, diversity, and inclusivity um, policy and strategy that really focuses in on our, how do we get um, our workforce to better reflect the community. So now it'll go to executive policy committee. It'll go to council next month, and, and we can go from there. Mayor Bowman, can you give us a little bit more insight? You said you took that anti-oppression and cultural competency training yourself. Uh, 10,000 city employees will be be completing that training. What does it look like? Can you give us a little bit of an inside scoop on that? Yeah, it's it's actually not easy training to go through. There's there's uh, sufficient topics that will really anger folks. Like I, I found there, there were definitely triggers uh, throughout the day. It was a full day session for, for us. And um Part of part of the part of the training is really just educating us on on kind of history, and so part of the training included not only um, an overview of um, you know everything from the BNA Act to um, the Charter and, and 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 other issues with the Indian Act. We also learned about Canada's connection to, to the slave trade, and and that for me was particularly informative. I, I learned. A lot by by that session, and um, I, I think that's that's one of the ways in which you combat intolerance and and division is just by learning, you know, by better educating yourself, and and that's something this anti-racism week that we've we've launched for the first time in partnership with community groups who've been doing really good work for years. Um, it runs until Saturday, and part of that effort is to just better educate us as as Canadians about uh, about history but also kind of what's current not just from decades ago but also the issues we're still dealing with right now in the community well the more we know maybe the better we can get along and that it sounds simplistic to say but that is in part of it on the topic of getting along i want to talk about this uh, fact we've been sharing with our listeners in the news about portage place deal that deal to revamp portage place mall is back on but we know it's hit some snags and, and your colleague councillor scott gillingham recently expressed his frustrations that the uncertainty surrounding developments like Portage Place, Polo Park, he had other examples, he, that it really felt to him that politicians and different level of governments just were not working together as best as possible, maybe not communicating. And we know there are other examples along the way. And so right now, do you feel as a leader of this city that that our political leaders are kind of failing to put aside their differences in order to help get the job done, that perhaps maybe the relationship is between maybe you and the premier or between premier and the prime minister's is too acrimonious. Um, well, the, maybe I'll just address the Portage Place issue. I mean, we've, as a council, we've uh, we've stepped up. We were the first government in to support that project, and uh, we're we're watching carefully the discussions that are happening with the federal government and the developer, uh, as well as the Forks North Portage Partnership, with uh, obviously great interest because this, this, that is a potentially transformative. Uh, development to build on all of the other positive developments that are happening in our downtown right now. Um, you know, in terms of just uh, working with other levels of government, you know, there's there's definitely, you know, issues that arise between, you know, the federal government, the provincial, municipal, and, and provincial from time to time. But let's not lose sight of the fact that there's been a number of initiatives. You know, the, the Worst Roads campaign CAA launched uh, this week, and you know, look at the accelerated regional roads program that's delivering historic outcomes and investments in roads. That was as a result of our initiative at City Hall, getting all three levels of government working together, the illicit drug strategy, and then some of the bigger projects like the Waverly Underpass, which came in um, on time and under budget to the tune of $68 million under budget. And then the Southwest Rapid Transitway, which was $169 million under budget, again, all three levels of government supported those projects. And what I do is, you know, try to work on how can we continue to, to build on those successes where we're working together recently to deal with homelessness um, and unsheltered Winnipeg is trying to bring the different levels of government together. And so I'll keep doing that. Um, certainly the more collaborative uh, efforts we have, the better for everybody and for everybody that we serve. Mayor Brian Bowman joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mr. Mayor, thank you very much for the time. Thank you. Have a great day, guys. Fun memories of staying in a hotel. Carol and Pete in North Kildonan say, weirdest hotel ever stayed in. Somewhere in rural Greece, we were on a tour, and a woman we knew walked into our room. Turned out the odd number keys fitted 
all of the odd-numbered rooms. Oh, no, really? She was two doors down from us, so I'm guessing that the same was true for all the even-numbered rooms. Only had to cut two sets of keys. Not great security. Well, I don't know how I discovered this, but I lived in a place called Oakdale Gardens in Charleswood for a few years, and it turned out that when they gave me my front door key, well, there's only one door, they actually gave me a master key. Oh, fun. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> I realized that, but I, I I, was in the manager's office and we were having a conversation about something. I don't remember the details of how it went down. And he goes, you have a master key. <laughs> I might have been turning it in. I was, Actually, that's probably how it was. When I was moving out, <laughs> I handed in my keys and you know these guys, like they know every key. They've got 600 on a keychain and they know exactly which one is for which lock. And he looked at my key, goes, holy Man, you've had a master key for the two years that you've lived here. I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's how it went down. I didn't oh. know. I didn't find uh. out until the last day. I, the, I, <laughs> and that's the story. That's the way I'm remembering it. And that's the I'm sticking to that version of the story. Man, you could have had like a secret layer. Hey, on the subject of <laughs> a layer. Yeah, like oh. a, the room nobody knows about, and there's yes. Greg down there, like in a weird cave layer. phone. I'm- I love Slices that of word. cheese. I don't know. Things are going on Slices in that layer. Why Just would I waste a layer on cheese? I don't know. It's all I could think Maybe. of in the moment. I was distracted by the just keys period because it reminded me of when I got sent to London to cover the best of all royal weddings, which is Prince Charles and Camilla. Just so many people were excited about oh. that one. Um, <laughs> and I, my camera guy got so mad at me by the end of the week because I, we were editing all the stories in his room. And so I'd go from my hotel room to his room and back and forth while you're writing and voicing. And I would get locked out every time. Like I would forget every time to bring my key and then I have to go down and get a new one and come back up. By the end of the week, he wouldn't let me in his room either. He's like, you need to figure this out or this gig is up. Like I'm done working with you. Remember your hotel key. And I can't. They're just the, It's better to have the tangible key rather than the card. And that uh, that pattern sort of continues, if memory serves me right. We haven't been in the same building for a year, but I think you have a hard time with the pass key as well, do you not? The you dog's rep- actually eaten that pass key, I'm not going to lie. A true story. He found it the other day out of my purse because I've kept it in there for a year because I do lose that key card all the time. I think I have 17 different ones. And uh, the dog has chewed it. I hope nobody in that building is listening right now. Wow. Moose got a hold of your pass Oh, I should take a picture. He's, I mean, I, I would think it would still work, but he's chewed it good. I should point out in your defense, Loren, and sorry, Greg, you have forgotten your swipe card a number of times in this building. <laughs> Thank you, I don't Greg. have quite the reputation Loren has, but yeah, I have at least four times in uh, modified time here, what? Yeah, once a month regular. And you know what? It's such a concern of mine. I hang it on a certain place on my dresser in the morning. And I don't want to paint too vivid a visual here, but it's the third thing I put on every day. Oh. <laughs> oh so instead of keys, wallet, whatever the saying is, it's, it's, it's gitch, pants, key card. Gitch, pants, key card. We were talking last week about the COVID fog, and I actually am worried about re- returning to work and all the things I will forget because of my memory feels so bad right now. I don't remember where I put, I've put a single thing. Know anybody who got the flu? This past winter, there's a good chance, Greg, you don't. Yeah, it's one of the underreported positive health stories that happened in a year of living with the COVID-19 pandemic, Ms. McNabb. Yeah, and we talked about the positives of this and what might linger as we move on to the next year because flu seasons are obviously measured from one year to the next. And as Global's Eric Sorensen tells us, it's clear the measures undertaken this past year actually made a big difference in the spread of influenza. In a winter spent avoiding one another, a remarkable thing happened. The seasonal flu (coughs) went away. Every year, up to 7 million Canadians normally get the flu. This winter? Did you get the flu this year? Uh, No, I didn't. I didn't get the flu this year. And Ellen Barbieri thinks it's obvious why she didn't get sick. (laughs) Haven't hugged, touched seen anyone it seems the measures taken to hold off COVID-19 all but snuffed out influenza this past season laboratory confirmed detections of flu usually total about 38,000 in a normal flu season this winter Canadian labs confirmed just 64 cases as of early March 
there's just not enough virus circulating and with people's social distancing and uh, wearing masks, it's just not transmitting. Here's the map of flu activity for the first week of March last year. There was flu all over the country. For the same time period this year, almost nothing. Last year was much more typical. The flu season began in November 2019, and it ended in March of 2020. The flu season lasted 18 weeks, about four months long. The flu season this year, it never began. All this speaks to is the fact that our public health measures work for flu as well. This infectious disease specialist says it's strong evidence just how dangerously virulent COVID-19 has been. Left uncontrolled, this would have been absolutely devastating to the world. The drastic reduction in flu will make it more difficult to predict what the next influenza threat will be. But experts say there is a lesson to carry forward of the value of social distancing and staying home when sick. When you bring your viruses with you to work or to school, you're sharing those with the community. Dr. Detmer hopes Canadians will be more careful in the future. Maybe just more of the... More conscious of the fact that we can all do more to limit the spread of viruses. I'll probably just be a little more aware of my distance. Eric Sorensen, Global News, Toronto. Do you know anybody who's had a cold uh, in the last few months? I I really interact with so few people, so I don't know if that's even... No, I guess the answer is no. No, I can't. I mean, like we were talking a bit about sniffles and the kids have had some of that, but... But no, it's remarkable. It's really remarkable to me with the kids because that's, you know, we're always calling them germ bags, jokingly, right? Because <laughs> just especially when the, in that in those younger ages, I would love to know what daycares are seeing and some of those early learning centers because that's where it's still hard for the kids to keep that distance. But and maybe they might not be masked if they're you know under five or whatever the case might be in your rules. I I find this fascinating. Like I, I don't want any of this to stick around. But then on the, on the other hand there's been so few sick days it's remarkable the the, the daycares is a good point and uh, i should ask my sister she works at a daycare and she for years she was sick all the time because the kids were sick all the time greg well you know and i've had a couple of we had a couple of parking lot conversations uh with my sister-in-law who is a teacher and then we had the outdoor gathering uh, for my father-in-law's birthday two sundays ago now and I said to my sister-in-law, like, you were always sick. You were always with the sniffles. You're always... And, you know, if I'm on FaceTime with her or talking to her on the phone and now seen her three times or so since September, I don't think she's been sick at all. I think teachers would be also a really good uh, litmus test for this. Uh, if you're a teacher or work as Brett's sister does in a daycare, have you been sick? Have you noticed a dramatic difference over the last several months with the runny nose and the things that you detested about your job. As Loren says, the germ bags are such a conduit. They love to spread those germs, don't they? We are giving away that $20 gift card, Santa Lucia Pizza, based on your fond and fun memories of staying at a hotel. We've got five stories here. I think we can get through them. Greg, start us off. Interesting hotel experience up at Port McNeil on Vancouver Island. Our last name is McNeil. So we thought it would be nice to stay at McNeil Hotel on McNeil Street. The desk clerk was very helpful because the keys were lost. Told us we should climb in through the window and let us in. We changed our minds. <laughs> Have a super day. We appreciate that. To um, a listener's given us her last name. I'm going to say, let's skip this one that I had flagged for myself to read. And Loren, jump to this next one from Peru. This is a great story. And it's kind of the nice end of things with in terms of how hotels can help you out. And I'm sorry, my wheel has just skipped. Here we go. My husband and I were at a lovely hotel in the Sacred Valley in Peru. It was off season, so the hotel was not very busy. We asked for a wake-up call at 7 a.m. in the morning so that we could have breakfast and begin our touring. When our phone rang at 5 a.m., we were not really happy. We told the front desk about the way-too-early call later that morning, and they apologized profusely. That afternoon, when we returned from our day being tourists, a line of staff was waiting for us in the driveway. They apologized again. We said it was okay, but then two massage therapists 
they said, would meet us in a room for a one-hour massage. I wanted to tell them they could call us early again if that was the apology. That's customer service at its finest. I'm just looking up pictures, by the way, of the Sacred Valley. This place looks like uh, like it's on another planet. It looks magical. Lucky you and a massage, free massage to boot. Here's another runner-up. 35 years ago. My drop-dead gorgeous wife and I went on a trip to Florida and stumbled upon a hotel newly opened called Wilson World. When we walked in the door, the lobby area opened up to the swimming pool and central courtyard with palm trees and fern, and it was absolutely beautiful. And we looked around, and you could see all the rooms overlooking the hotel courtyard. It looked like mirrored glass. So we thought that it was pretty cool, only one-way glass that you could see out from the room but not in. And, of course, during the daytime that was the case, so we checked into a room on the fourth floor and proceeded to shower together. And then afterwards, we both went up to the glass window, standing buck naked, looking out over the courtyard area. (laughs) And of course, by this time, it was getting darker out. So we had the lights on. And then we realized people in the pool were looking up and pointing at us as uh, I was pointing at them, so to speak. It was awfully embarrassing, to say the least. But yeah, make it any better than that. I kind of have a story that matches that in, my, in an apartment in Ottawa, but I'll leave it there. It was just me alone. Oh. And I'd walk out in the room and all of a sudden I heard this sort of yelling from the street below. And I was like, what? And I realized they could see in. And I don't know why I thought at this certain part in my room I would be hidden. But nothing was hidden. And How? I was I was fully undressed. How far? Like what floor were you on? Second floor, but I would come in from the shower and I'd kind of stand by the closet in the back of the room. And for some reason in my mind, you thought you were that safe. That was deep enough in the room for people not to see. <laughs> you should have. Hey! You should have stayed in trigonometry longer, McNabb. The oh, geometry was god. off a little bit. I dropped to the ground. I'm crawling out. Oh my god. I was just awful. <laughs> like she's crawling under a tripwire or something. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna get out of here. Get out of here. You can't have the pizza card, McNabb. <laughs> Beth gets the pizza card. Greg, what did Beth tell us? I was leading a training session about a week long for about 30 steps. We were staying in the Delta Hotel downtown Winnipeg. My room was the meeting room for the leaders on the eighth floor. One day when we were meeting, we had <laughs> we heard a ruckus. I love what was that word. ruckus? I love. Can you describe the ruckus, sir? In the pool below <laughs> us and going down on the balcony, saw our staff playing in the pool. We proceeded to throw gummy bears down at them on the pool. <laughs> Later that day, when I came back to my room, I found... The balcony doors screwed shut. I went to the front desk to inquire and discover that there was a delegation coming to the hotel from the Pan Am Games, and they were ensuring that there was no repeat of our (laughs) foolishness. I apologized profusely, promising it would not happen again, and got the balcony doors unscrewed. Beth, they tried to shenanigans-proof your balcony. (laughs) What, what, how, how many gummy bears do they have? And also, I love how adults on balconies turn into children. It happens all the time. I stayed at a, a hotel in downtown Calgary, the Ramada. There's a rooftop pool, mm-hmm. and our rooms out like looked out onto the pool, and we were surrounded by office towers. We were in that pool kicking away. like We were in our 20s, but we were kicking uh, like children, and we were yelling at each other from the balcony. Uh, yeah, there's some, there was something about that whole <laughs> environment that just <laughs> turned us why. into six-year-olds. Yeah. What can great. I do from up here? I gotta be. Should I drop something? I should probably drop something. <laughs> Text message at 204-780-6868 to set up our next segment. This is from Tracy, who says, One of my first drive-in experiences was at the Shamrock Drive-In in Killarney. The original Friday the 13th. My mom and aunt... We're in the front seat. My cousin and I nestled into our beds in the back of the station wagon. Just as a scary Jason moment was about to happen, my older cousin, who was there with his friends in another vehicle, (laughs) came up behind said station wagon and started shaking the car. Talk about a holy blank moment. So great story from Tracy Gregg. Obviously the cousin had seen the movie before and was planning the precise moment to act. It's been five years since the Shamrock Drive-In has been up and running, but they're ready to open once more, McNabb. Yeah, owner Joanne Struss joins us now. Good morning, Joanne. Good morning. 
when I first heard about this, I was thinking this was COVID related, but we're going back several years now, as Greg mentioned, five years since that Shamrock Drive-In was up and running. Let's talk about the storms, back-to-back storms in 2015, 2016, that that really uh, took you out of the game for a bit. Take us back to those years. Well, it was a very scary night. Let's just let's just put it that way. I don't remember the exact day. I probably should have looked that up, but it was in um, at the very end of June in 2015. We had just run our first fundraiser in uh, looking towards going digital, and uh, we only had uh, two 35 millimeter movies available to us that year. So we had decided not to really open as a theater. Although I did show Cinderella May Long Weekend and got stormed out. <laughs> that was really fun. Um, and I was saving the second movie for the the Dubs at the Lake um, group that came out. Um, so anyway, yeah, so we we had had our first big fundraiser, and my husband was in Winnipeg, and this storm was coming at us. I could see these clouds, and I remember my son came home from work, and I said, you know, I don't like the looks of those clouds. And he said, oh, it's okay, Mom. If there's a tornado, you hear the jet, a sound of jet engines first. And I'm kind of looking at them thinking, yeah, like right before it hits you. <laughs> what are you talking about? But yeah, it was a wicked storm. The lightning was so frequent and so hard that it really looked like daylight outside when I looked out. And I, um, yeah, I just, I wanted to run. But where do you run? I had four small children. How do, how do you carry those? But I heard... Um, I actually did hear the jet engine sound, and there was this really loud boom of thunder, which I think now was my screen coming down. But what looks like what happened is that a lightning strike took out one of the back posts, and uh, and then, I don't know, seriously, I think with the tornado, I'll never be able to prove it, but whatever, something happened, and half the screen just came, came down. Um, we did decide to keep fundraising. We got a, a payout for the screen. I was calling around looking for someone to rebuild, but uh, we couldn't find anybody that would even call us back. We had one call back that said no, but I think whatever, for whatever reason, maybe just too busy. It was a very busy building time. And uh, so we just, um, uh, we, we ended the season and we, over the winter, my husband found a used uh, a digital projector coming out of a drive-in in Idaho, and we jumped on it. We took the 9000 plus that we had raised um, in fundraising and the payout for the screen and some of our own personal, personal cash from building the house, and we went and bought it, and we thought, well, at least we were halfway there, and we were thinking maybe we'd rebuild the screen. Darren was building our own house. We figured it was something he could handle, and then that June, another huge storm came through. This time, I wasn't home. And the rest of the screen came down. At that point, it, it was such a dejected feeling. We just, we felt like, it, we had nothing to do with it, but we felt like we let the entire community down <laughs> because we'd done all this fundraising. And, and uh, yeah, I don't know, for some, some reason it felt like a personal fault. And so we just, at that point, we decided we had to prioritize because um, it was now even too big and we weren't even sure how we wanted to rebuild the screen. And we had a house we had to finish building. That was kind of a priority with um, nine children at the time. Well, we still have nine children, but by then we had the nine children and we just knew we needed a house for them to live in. So we set everything else to the back burner and finished our house. And then finally last summer, we were able to redirect finances towards the screen. And we had decided a few years ago, we started looking into shipping containers and we they're like 9,000 pounds each. They're sturdy. They offer great storage space. And, uh, yeah, we, um, so, yeah, we, we ordered four from Cantrans in Winnipeg. And uh, Jonathan Gillis prepared the site for them. You had to have a certain depth of gravel. And then Gordon Reimer Crane Services came out and lifted those up for us. And it's beautiful. The kids and I painted it on the ground. There was no way I was going up that height painting containers so we did that really quick before winter set in and uh, yeah so it is funny because just a few days after the screen went up there's this huge it was predicted to be about 80 kilometers an hour there's a wind that was coming from the west and we're like oh no like we haven't done anything to extra to secure this and so darren seriously just sat out there in his van and watched it just to see if it would even wiggle <laughs> and it didn't 
My word, what an exercise. Uh, Some will say futility. This is perseverance exemplified here, Joanne. Absolutely incredible. One of our listeners, a very loyal listener, Scott, who's tuned into a lot of things, says, I think they ran the movie Twister with just half the screen up. Is is that true or or false, (laughs) Joanne? Oh, it did. It was great. It was the, uh, like, when the first half of that screen screen came down, we were supposed to be having a car show coming in, and I felt... I felt so dejected at that point, I actually canceled it and um, just not realizing what it would look like on half a screen. And then we finally tested it and we thought, okay. And yeah, we, we thought, you know what, let's do it. Let's just, let's just be fun, right? Because I had to laugh. So we did. We got Wizard of Oz and Twister. And here's the funny thing. While waiting for the, for, for the time to come to show, this huge cloud, I have a picture of it on my screen, and it says, like, wow, look at that cloud behind my screen. And there was. There was Twisters around the area. There was people watching funnel formations <laughs> coming down. When, and you know on the movie Twister, when, that, uh, when the Twister goes through the drive-in on the screen? Yeah. My friend was watching. He said, Joanne, this major lightning bolt crashed behind your screen. So I said, well, that's because the Lord was helping me out. He was giving us a good show. Great 4D effects to go with our movie. <laughs> uh, so, Joanne, what makes going to the drive-in such a special and unique experience? Well, I think it goes along with that. The first um, uh, text that you read, it's, it's family. It's family fun. You can take any child, whatever age, whether you're just going to have them sleep in the back or whether they're watching a movie, and no, you're not going to disturb anybody. And beforehand, you can let them run around on the playground, you know, get all that energy out. Um, it's just, it's a unique experience because you're, you're under the stars, you're, you're out in the open and then you just drive home in the same vehicle that you're in. It's, um, and, and your neighbors are all around you. It's, it's just fun. It's just a totally unique experience for us. It's unique because we're running it as a family and that's, that adds its own, um, measure of joy to to us just to to work in that manner but yeah it's just um, it's unique it's family oriented and it's it's just a great way to to entertain your kids for a night for yourself you're, you're bringing up such great memories for me of one of my first times and i think my mom brought a shepherd's pie and we have that <laughs> in the back of the station and watched a, a movie on the big screen uh, and it's you know it's it's being together but it's also the only place you can really see a movie right now would be at a venue like yours. How much do you miss seeing movies on the big screen? Oh, very much. I cannot tell you how, how expensive it is for me to take my nine children <laughs> to the theater. <laughs> but we do it. We do Did it. Did you just say but, nine yeah. children? Yeah, we have nine. We have nine. I have two grandchildren now, too. There's so much <laughs> that's changed in the in the almost six years since we were running Yes, and and my um, it's when we moved here. My oldest was twelve, and my youngest was, which was baby number seven at the time. She was um, just six months old, and I actually spent that entire summer with her in a carrier on my back. In fact, one time she grabbed the popcorn and crashed it to the floor behind me because I couldn't see what she was doing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and then we had uh, we had two more. Uh, the last one was born in twenty fifteen, the same year the the screen came down so he didn't get much back time as the other ones but yeah so my oldest is now 22 my two daughters are both mothers now so they won't be there but the next three down are so excited because they were never allowed to help out in the concession and they just can't wait to have their turn now now i was more of a restaurant guy i know how many people it takes to run a restaurant do you need nine employees was this all just a master plan to make sure you had free labor like help us understand nine children and a drive-in joanne help us well no there's oh yeah see and you know here's the thing it was my idea like let's go back even further before we even owned the drive-in i was that mother that barely let my children watch movies we didn't even have tv at the time we just you know we 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 selected movies for them to watch on on the thing and and it was at 2 a.m um my brother and sister and my um my sister and or wait a minute anyway a brother and a sister and their husband and wife were leasing the drive-in from the gibsons for a few years and they decided they weren't going to do it that year 2011 because it was just so much work with their other business 
And uh, so it was just going to die. And I was kind of sad about that because, of course, I grew up around here. And uh, one night at two in the morning, I woke up with this grand idea that it would be so good for the children and I to put a camper on the driving yard, lease it for the summer and be close to family. So I wake up my husband and I tell him this great idea. And he's looking at me like I like really dread. Yeah, you want to run the drive it with with seven children. I'm like, yeah, you can get projects done around the house and stuff. And it'll be great. I'll be near family. He's like, go to sleep, Joanne. That's like, no, you don't. Like, what are you talking about? Like, go to sleep. And anyway, so in the morning, I wake up and he's gone off to work. And I wake up. I'm like, what the what was I thinking? No, I, I don't want to do that. Oh, my goodness. Now I'm starting to realize that whole seven children thing, you know, 12 and under, how ridiculous that is. Oh <laughs> how on earth can I expect that of, of my children? And so I called him up and said, you know what? You're right. That was such a stupid idea. Forget I even said it. He goes, no, I've been thinking about it, Joanne. And I actually think this is a really good idea. And, I'm, and I keep trying to convince him, no, it's not. And he goes, and the best part, Joanne, it was your idea. So I was supposed to talk to my brother-in-law when I came down to Clarny next time and, and see if the Gibsons would want to lease it to us for the, for the summer. So I reluctantly did that. And, and uh, my, the answer I got was no. They, they just wanted to sell it, not lease. And I was like, oh, you. So I called up Darren and I said, well, I'm sorry, honey. No, they're not going to lease it. They're only wanting to sell now. And Darren says, well, then we'll buy it. (laughs) (laughs) Joanne. The best part is, Joanne, it was your idea. (laughs) (laughs) Joanne, listen, we got to wrap up, uh, unfortunately, but before we let you go, when are you going to be ready to open, provided, of course, you get uh, green light from the province? Exactly. Um, yeah, we're hoping July long weekend to, to kick off. We have a, a little bit of fixing up and, and uh, tweaking to do in our concession and stuff before that goes, but we're really hopeful for July long and then to run all summer. Joanne Struss, Shamrock Drive-In in Killarney, ready to go this summer. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. What a pleasure. Thank you for talking to me. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.